Feels so good. Out here in Mountville, it's a real good morning. I bet these birds gobbled probably right. close to a hundred times. Tater, rocking season, boys. Welcome to the Strut South Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Greathouse. Today we've got a great episode. We've got Brian Grossman on. He's with Georgia Field. He's got a podcast. He's got the Georgia Field Facebook page and website. He um, he puts out a lot of content um, dealing with a lot of stuff going on in Georgia and a lot of info that's really great for a lot of Georgians that are hunters. Um, but it's also, he's also got a lot of content that's, I mean, it's all great for all hunters, really. Um, so it's going to be a really good episode with him today. But before we get into his episode, we're going to go over a little bit of house cleaning stuff. Um, if you haven't done so already, go to our spots on social media, YouTube, subscribe to YouTube, go to our Facebook instagram give us a like go to twitter um, and on the podcast if you can leave a rating and a review depending on the platform you're listening to us on if it allows that feature just give us a rating and a review and that'll be much appreciated it's uh it really helps us out and it really allows for the podcast to get out there and more people to see it um, and for the ratings and reviews that we do have and the listeners that we've got man we we're really, really thankful that you guys are out there listening to us every week, and uh, we hope that we hope at least we're bringing something worth listening to out there. So, uh, if you haven't done so, please leave that rating and review. Um, now, what next? There's one other thing. Oh, um, I'll be going. Justin will be too. Uh, Justin and myself, we're going to go to the Southeastern Spring Classic. I believe that's the actual name for it. Um, but it's a turkey calling contest. It's going to be in Hagen, Georgia, or Claxton if you're local. I think it's kind of the same area, general area. But the, uh, the address that they've got for the contest, it's 501 Cedar Avenue, Hagen, Georgia. Um, and it's going to be August the 17th. Uh, a lot of great callers are probably going to be there, I'm sure, because uh, Georgia's got a lot of great callers. Um, if you want to go and listen to some good calling, come on out. Uh, if you want, you got kids and you want to get them involved, that's a great opportunity for, to get kids in there because um, just about every – I haven't seen a, a turkey calling contest yet that doesn't really encourage kids and – they they actually really want a lot of kids to get involved in them. So if you got kids and they kind of like turkey hunting, or if you want them to like turkey hunting and you're trying to get them into it, bring them out, let them get involved. They can get up there and they can call all they want to. So 
Uh, it's going to be a fun time. I think I'm sure they're going to have some sort of food there or something. But if you don't have nothing to do on a Saturday in the middle of August when it's hot and there's no need to be out there scouting for deer because it's too dang hot in Georgia to be scouting right now, um, get up, get up there and let's go, let's go do that contest and let's listen to some great turkey calling. Uh, other than that, I think that's it we'll get right into the show now i'll just give you a couple of little uh quick bites from the show we talk about uh, the season dates in georgia talking about how they're as long as they are and kind of why they're not shorter um uh, brian also works with the qdma so we talk a little bit about qdma stuff we talk about you know trying to compare to or try not to compare to hunting celebrities and uh, don't kind of just try not to blow it out of proportion. I think it gets blown out of proportion sometimes with uh, the expectations and uh, of what deer you should shoot, what gear you should use, stuff like that. So, and other than that, we just it's, most of it's kind of just hunt talk, and we kind of talk about hunting pressure and stuff like that. So, we'll go ahead and get right into it. I quit babbling, uh, and we'll get right on here and get Brian on the line. Hope y'all enjoy. And let me say real quick too, guys, uh, we had a, I had a couple of issues with the audio. I don't know why, but during the editing process and the saving process, it kind of messed the audio up just a little bit. There's a few times where you can hear my voice and maybe Brian's voice overlap a couple of times. Um, don't know why, but it is what it is, and I just went ahead and ran it anyway. So just want to let you guys know that, and we'll get into it. All right, guys, we've got Brian Grossman on the line with us. What's up, hey, Brian? Hey, how are you? I'm good, man. Um, tired. Um, <laughs> I got a – I actually just came back from playing a softball game, a bunch of – me and a bunch sure. of buddies. We Every Sunday we try to try to get out there and play softball and just something mm. to do. And yeah, it's fun. But it's rough on – it's rough on the body and – yeah, that's what I was gonna right say. Now, so. Yeah, it's awful hot for that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty warm today. Uh, probably it's probably warmer today than it has been the past few times we've played. But it was still fun though. Um, I'm I'm gonna probably be feeling it tomorrow <laughs> though. I know I am. Um, but you were uh, we got we wanted to get you on the show today um, to talk about. I guess pretty much all things hunting or some things hunting, which it, you know, however it comes, I guess. But, uh, you've got the, uh, Georgia Afield podcast and, uh, it's a, you also run the, the Facebook page on there too. And, uh, so if you could kind of go over, you know, what that's all about. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I, man, for, for years, well, heck, since I, first stumbled on the the internet back in college you know back in the i don't know mid 90s or whatever i've always um enjoyed messing with uh websites and stuff and that's uh, actually i'm i'm kind of jumping back here but i'm originally from kentucky and so, man, as soon as i got on the internet first thing i want to do is figure out how i could build a website and, and i started uh back then started kentuckyhunting.com and it was just a forum basically and and that uh 
that that grew over the years and um, eventually ended up down here in Georgia and uh, working for the DNR. But I just I kind of had that bug again to uh, to mess with a, a website of my own. And um, and of course, you know, it's everything I do is pretty much focused around hunting. So uh, I just decided I started GeorgiaField.com and uh, just a website where I, you know, try to keep uh people up to date with um things going on you know across the state as far as hunting the um regulation changes or seasons and um hunting tips that kind of stuff and and uh then you know i started getting into listening to podcasts and i thought well it'd be pretty cool to have a you know a podcast just focused on georgia hunting and but i was hesitant i'm not honestly i'm not real big on on public speaking that kind of thing so i i thought about it for a long time before (laughs) i dove in and uh but heck i decided you know why not i give it a try and uh i'm just i just published my eighth episode today so it's still fairly young but uh i'm enjoying it and and really uh, a big part of it is i I love to learn and, and learn from other guys who are uh you know, better hunters than me, which is, which is a lot. So uh, I like getting other guys on there and just, uh, you know, kind of picking their brain and and seeing how they do things. And so a lot of it for me is just, you know, being able to learn myself from it, but then at the same time, you know, put that, put that out there for other people to, uh, to learn as well. So I'm, uh, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I've listened to your podcast too. I think I've, I think I've listened to just to all of them so far. Uh, there may be one or two that I haven't listened to, but uh, yeah, I like it and it's good stuff. And I think it's a, I think it's a great idea and a a, a great platform for um, all our all the Georgia hunters. Um, you've actually had some. You've actually had several guests on yours that we've had on ours. Uh, I know you had one with uh, Caleb Copeland, yeah, yeah. Um, Charlie Killmaster. Uh, a lot of great guests. You you got a lot of great guests on there so far, and uh, it's pretty good stuff. Um, but before we, I guess before we get into all that good stuff, we're going we're going to do our rapid fire Q and A. And like you said, you've listened to the show before, so you know yeah, how it kind yeah. of goes. Um, all right. Favorite fast food. Favorite fast food. I guess uh, Chick Fil A, probably. Ooh, that's <laughs> a great choice. Um, don't nobody do it better than Chick Fil A, especially. That's right. You, you know they're going to get um, it right at least. Their milkshake machine is always <laughs> yeah. working. Yeah, you can't say that for a bum. Um, right. One state that you'd like to hunt. One. The one Besides state Georgia. that I would like to hunt, um, man, there's a bunch of them, but I really want to, I, now turkey hunted Nebraska, but I, I'm really wanting to go back out there and deer hunt. So, mm. yeah, a lot of deer out there in Nebraska. Um, favorite holiday. Favorite holiday. I'd have to say Christmas. Well, I like Christmas. All right. And, uh, I always ask this one every podcast, but I've, I've tweaked it a little bit. Um, it's always been favorite biscuit, but I'm going to go with favorite breakfast item. 
Favorite breakfast item. Um, probably a, uh, a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddle from McDonald's. Probably. Mm. Favorite breakfast item. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's good there. Um, well, you um, you formerly used to work with the DNR uh, as a wildlife technician, and you're a supervisor there. Um so, I mean, what what would uh, the duties of a wildlife technician be? Yeah, well, and that's actually, that's what brought me, I told you I was originally from Kentucky. That's that's what brought me down here to Georgia. Um, I took a job. Uh, originally, when I first moved down here, I took a job as a wildlife technician on uh, Joe Kerr's wildlife management area. So, I mean, my duties were basically, I was, I oversaw that, that management area. So, you know, it's anything from, from maintaining the, uh, the, the buildings on the property. Um, you know, we did a lot of, uh, all, all the habitat work. We did a lot of prescribed fire out there, um, you know, spraying, planting dove fields, um, in some cases planting food plots and, uh, bush hog and just, just all the, all the basic duties, road maintenance, that kind of stuff, everything to just upkeep the WMA. Um, and then, uh, after, after being there, I guess about a year, um, I was promoted to uh, wildlife technician supervisor or, or tech four is what the, they call it. Um, but then I was in charge of, of all the technicians in uh, region four, which is the West central part of the state. Um, so, so I, Oh, I, I oversaw the, uh, the, the work on um, like Jokers and, and Big Laser and uh, West Point all the way over to uh, uh, Charlie Elliott and down to Oak Mulgee, Oakey Woods and Blanton Creek. And so um, I think it's about what, about 15 WMAs there in, in the West Central part of the state. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Blanton Creek, uh, that's actually – just right down the road from where I live. Yeah. So um, we actually went in there uh, this past turkey season. That's like the first time I'd hunted Blanton Creek, and uh, I didn't I didn't realize that it was as close <laughs> as it was. Um, I had always hunted uh, up there at West Point Lake, and uh, the what's that? What's the one? What's the WMA that's beside Dixie? Oh, yeah, the Dixie, Dixie Creek, Creek track, and yeah. Uh, then and then West Point WMA, I guess, is the other yeah. one, the big one. Um, so I always hunted those, but uh, I was I was actually quite impressed and surprised that uh, Blanton Creek was as nice looking as it was, and it was actually closer than uh, than all the West Point place yeah. tracks. Yeah, so, Mike Mike does a uh, um, he's the technician out there, Mike Crumley, and uh, he. Uh, well, actually, I think he's the tech four now, but he, he does a, a tremendous job out there at Blanton Creek. And uh, plus it's it's owned by Georgia Power. So it gets a lot more timber management than some of the other WMAs. So, um, yeah, they, right. they do a real good job out there. And it, it has some great uh, deer and turkey hunting both. Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing I noticed was it was definitely managed they had a lot more timber management than any of the West Point, you know, right. places. Yeah. And uh, 
to me that when I saw that it just it screamed <laughs> turkey to me and uh but unfortunately we I kind of started checking it out and found you know found out about it it was real late in the yeah. season so everything was kind of already dead last season you know once it got to the end but um one thing I wanted to really uh, talk about was uh, now I don't know if I'm I'm sure you've got some insight on it. I don't know exactly as far as your duties, you know what uh, if you were part of it. But I've always wondered about the season dates for for Georgia in particular, um, and I've always been kind of under the assumption or well not under the assumption but I've always felt like that our season is a little bit too long but I also get I also like the fact that it is long it's kind of a for me it's like a 2020 uh you know thing like um so like what is uh what goes into determining those season dates and uh, if you I don't I mean if you if you have an idea as to why why do you why is our season as long as it is uh, now are you talking about the deer season here now yeah yeah, yeah right deer season um man yeah that's that's uh, <laughs> that, that part of it was uh, definitely above my pay grade as far as having any input on it but you know that's that's made at the uh, well, I think there's a, a deer, what they call like a deer technical committee in the DNR where it, it's made up of, um, of course, Charlie Kilmaster's the, the deer project leader. And then you have biologists right. from the different regions that also kind of sit in on that committee and, and they um, make decisions, I guess, as a group. Uh, and then, of course, a lot of that has to be approved. I'm not sure if the dates are something that has to be actually uh go through the legislature i know the bag limit that's one of the reasons why the, the bag limit is so hard to change is because that actually has to go through the legislature to change they can't just say they can't just the dnr can't just change the bag limit um I, right. i'm not sure about the season dates if that has to go through the legislature or not but but yeah i think it's a lot of it's just a historical thing i mean it's 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 been that way you know for years and years and uh you know, anytime you implement some kind of, of major change, then, um, you know, that, that typically is going to draw a lot of, uh, a lot of complaints from, from folks that, you know, just like you said, uh, in a way you'd like to see it shorter, but at the same time you like that it's that long mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so you get a lot of backlash when you try to make major changes like that. And, and I guess, um, you know, it's it's obviously in most places hadn't had a too much of a negative impact on the on the deer population. So, it, and if if there is some issue, then they try to work it out like they have been with with just shifting the doe days and stuff, and not actually changing the the overall season length. Or um, and like I said, the the bag limits hard to change. So uh, they they've been trying to some areas that maybe did need to back off of the harvest where, where we could get the population up a little, a little bit um, to where it needs to be. They've done that through just backing off of, of doe days. So um, yeah. I but yeah, it, it's uh it was def that was a culture <clears throat> shock to me coming from Kentucky where, where we have a, you know, a 16 day gun season in Kentucky and that's it. 
um, have have a very long archery season, kind of like you do down here from uh, from the first part of September through uh, uh, Martin Luther King Day in uh, January. But but yeah, I wasn't used to a long gun season like this, and so being a bow hunter, primarily a bow hunter, that was definitely a, a culture shock to me. Yeah, and and I, I mean I think it may I don't think it's nowhere near as bad now as it used to be, say fifteen, twenty years ago. Because um, back in, you know, nobody bow hunt. They didn't, but nobody people didn't bow hunt on the scale that they do yeah. now. Um, but uh, I've just always wondered as to why. Because every time I talk to anybody, I remember I was. We did the podcast with uh, Whitetail Legacy, and I was telling, or yeah, we I went on their their podcast, and we were talking about how long the uh, our season was, and I told them, and they just they couldn't believe that it was nearly three months yeah. of rifle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I just uh, I've always I've always thought. I mean, I've said it on the podcast before, but I've always thought that. Um, we may have a, a better age structure, which I'm I'm not sure how great our age structure is now. It's probably pretty decent, um, but I do think we would see a lot more four and five and maybe even six year old bucks if uh, that season wasn't as long. But but on the other hand, you know it, it's great that it is long because you can just be like, oh well, I can go hunting today and. I don't have to. I can just go out there and sit on the ground with a rifle if I want to, and you don't have to really. It it, it does definitely helps get more people out there. Yeah, and that is one good thing about it. Yeah, and that, sure. that's that's one thing I have enjoyed about it. As uh, you know, I got a couple of kids. Well, I call them kids. My my son now is getting ready to turn twenty years old. But uh, you know, when when I moved here, they were they were still pretty young, and uh, you know, again, going from Kentucky where you had a very short gun season it was sometimes hard to, you know, to get them out there. Um, you know, you had two weekends basically of the gun season. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot harder to get them involved, which I, I still did, but, uh, and we did have some youth hunting opportunities in Kentucky, but it, it was nice when you moved down here and you, and, and the, you got that long gun season. So there's plenty of opportunities to get kids out there, or take other people out with you and, uh, and still, you know, have time to hunt for yourself. So, that that's definitely a, a plus. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, it, our season, the season's actually gotten longer. Um, which I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to the dates for like the other counties and like up there around Atlanta and stuff. Isn't there like some counties up there that you can go till season goes to like the end of January or, something like that yeah the uh the the i think it's mainly the counties right around atlanta and then uh this year they added um i think they added the county that athens is in and maybe um somewhere another another couple counties maybe around savannah area i don't know i know they added two or three counties there to that extended that extended season Mm, yeah yeah um, but yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe one day it'll, it'll be a little different, but, uh, 
But that's good. I mean, I didn't know that. Though. I didn't know that that's kind of, you know, it went, it, it was a big process like that. But uh, in that, in even talking about, you know, the tags, because that's one thing that really has always baffled me was the tags. Because uh, I don't ever see anybody shoot 12 deer every, a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> um, the thing. You know, a lot of people complain about the having that big bag limit, 10, 10 does and two bucks. And it does. Uh, that you know that that sounds like a lot, but like you said, when you do a, when they survey these hunters, most people aren't killing more than two deer. In fact, most people are uh, on the right. average. If you average all deer hunters, it works out to less than two two deer per deer hunter. Um, you know, some people are killing more than that, and some people are killing less. But um, yeah, mo- there's not too many people out there. I don't believe uh, filling filling up their tags. No, you would. They ain't know what I don't know. I don't care who you are. They ain't no way you don't need twelve deer a year. <laughs> you you but you got to be giving it away yeah, if you yeah. are. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's great. Um, you did that podcast with uh, Zach Barenbaugh. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, they're oh, some man. great guys. I, I really enjoy watching uh, yeah. their stuff. And that's um, that's actually what got me listening to um, to podcasts. Is I. I'd started, I'd stumbled on their YouTube channel and started watching their videos and, and then seen where they had, you know, they, a lot of times they'll do their podcast live on video on Facebook. And so I seen that and I started listening to their podcast and then I thought, well, you know, I started looking for other podcasts and particularly ones centered around, you know, Southern hunting because that, that's what interests me. So, um, yeah, and that's how I came upon, upon your podcast. And I, I think, I don't remember if I found your podcast first or some of your YouTube videos, but I've I've watched both and uh, or listened to listen to one and watch the other and, and enjoy them. So, but yeah, those guys I, I really like the hunting nice. public guys. They're good guys. Yeah, yeah. They um, to me they they relate to the everyday hunter probably more than anybody out there right now. Um, anybody that I guess that's a traveling public land hunter, especially, but on one of on the episode you did with him, y'all got to talking about, um, Oh yeah. Well, you, you kind of talked about it in that one. And you also kind of touched on it, um, in the, uh, your latest episode about getting ready for season and, uh, putting up cameras, but you also talked about, you know, how people kind of the way people hunt now, but I did, it reminded me, you know, people need to not try to be like somebody on TV. That's kind of what I got out of it. And um, that's why I, in your latest episode, I really liked that you were talking about putting out cameras and getting really cheap cameras. Yeah. Um, because that's all I do. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't spend any money on, <laughs> on a camera. Um, Really, just because to me it's just not realistic for me to go out and buy a hundred, even a hundred and fifty dollar camera. To me, that's that's a little that's a little steep. Yeah, I mean, you know, those and I I've started using those those thirty dollar or really twenty twenty eight dollar and change uh, Tascos from Walmart. Yeah. yeah, you know, for the price of a hundred and fifty dollar camera, I can have five cameras, and you know, like like you've heard me talk about on the podcast, I I'm primarily a public land hunter um just really out of uh out of necessity you know i don't i moved down here from kentucky and it's a it's a whole different culture down here with the hunting clubs and 
the leases and uh so you know which i've always hunted public land even in kentucky to some extent but i I had some private land there as well but uh you know i hunt public land and i enjoy it but i don't want to you know you put out a 150 dollar camera out on a a public land i'm gonna lose some sleep and uh I'm definitely going to be upset mm. when I show the check or when I show up to check it and it's, and it's gone. But, uh, which, you know, I'm going to be upset if my $30 Tesco is gone, but I'm not going to uh, be near as upset as if it was a much more expensive camera. So, um, right. And that's, you know, that's kind of, I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is, you know, I don't, I just, I, I don't want people to get on the outdoor channel and see the Drury's, with a uh reconics camera or uh dr grant woods or you know these big names and you see these 500 hundred dollar cameras um which i mean no disrespect to those guys i mean i i love their stuff and i watch all their stuff too and i think they're great but you don't have to have something like that like you can't you can't really compare no that. No, no, absolutely not. I actually just I wrote an article, which we, we hadn't got into. But anyway, I, my, I currently work for uh, QDMA, the Quality Deer Management Association. And uh, I just, just wrote an article for them here a few weeks ago talking about, I, um, trying to think of what, it, what the title of it was. But uh, it was basically deer hunting on the cheap. Um, and it was it was talking about that very subject, you know, I don't want that to be a stumbling block for new hunters that you see these shows like you're talking about. Um, and, and I like those shows, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with watching them and, and it's entertainment, but you got to realize, or at least I want new hunters to realize you don't have to have all that stuff to go out and, and hunt and have a good time. You don't have to have a thousand dollar bow. You don't have to have $500 trail cameras. Um, you don't have to have the latest, greatest camouflage all that stuff. I mean, you know, what it boils down to is, is you need a, either a bow or a gun and and some ammunition and your, your license and tags and, uh, and go out and have fun on public land. And, um, you know, all that other stuff can come in time if you choose to, but, you know, hunting don't have to be a, a real expensive endeavor. Right. If, if I were, if I were going to ask, so if you wanted to go out there and you had to spend a bunch of money, I would say the number one thing you need to spend money on is what you're going to be shooting the deer with or whatever it yeah, is you're hunting. Yeah. You just, and not necessarily a bunch of money, but spend it, spend the money the right way and make sure what you're going to be using your weapon of choice, make sure it's going to be lethal. I mean, I think that would be the number one thing to worry about spending yeah, the money absolutely. on. Yeah. Um, the, uh, gosh, hang on. I, <laughs> I lost no, my train of thought right. there for a second. <laughs> uh, that, that all the time. Yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do it at least once <laughs> an episode where I have to, I have to recollect myself for a few seconds. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I agree with you though. That's, uh, that's a real good input there. I, my camera's like, I've, I'm the same way though. I I kind of, I got three. I think I got three of the twenty eight dollar ones. Um, I even I even kind of upgraded and uh, 
I bought the uh, the thirty eight dollar version of the Tascos, yeah. uh, just because they were in Mossy Oak Bottomland, and I like I like Bottomland. Go, yeah. So, um, but I've had the way I look at, it, especially with trail cameras, is I've had cameras from basically the twenty dollar range all the way up to the hundred fifty dollar range. I've never had I've never had a Reconyx or five hundred a five hundred dollar camera, but um, for me, every camera I've ever had, they've all got a shelf life. They usually last about four or five years, and then that's it. Like you're gonna have to buy another one sooner or yeah. later. So yeah, and I got a couple of Moultries that you know are probably I don't know 120 to maybe 150 dollar cameras that uh, I got through you know a good deal with with QDMA, but and, and no doubt though they're the the quality of the the photos and videos and all that is it's much better than the Tasco, but you know not so much that uh, that's what I'm going to go out and buy a bunch of you know I, well I just can't I mean and again for public land you know the, those those thirty dollar mm-hmm. Tascos will do just fine for for what I want right right you know and you know speaking of public land and putting cameras out I actually I went just uh, maybe two, what was it? I went Friday. Today, we're recording this. It's a Sunday. I went Friday and checked out a piece of public. Um, I turkey hunted it last year, and it was amazing. Man, there was more deer sign than I've ever seen anywhere, public or private land. Um, I mean, it, it looked like, I mean, I was finding the deer trails and it looked like somebody, you know, was going through there with a tiller. And, uh, but that, and that was during turkey season. So I was like, man, I need to come back in here, check this place out, put a camera in here. Well, I did that, but I waited way too long. And, uh, this place was already really thick, like super thick it's just a bunch of pines and they came in maybe i don't know five six years ago probably a little longer than that and they came in and thinned it out and they've never burned it or anything since and it is like nasty nasty thick and uh, i went out there to put cameras out and the sign that i found back during turkey season wasn't there no more because I couldn't see <laughs> to where the sign was. <laughs> um, and uh, so it was pretty tough. But I, I found me a pretty good spot, I think, or at least I found a decent spot to put the camera up. There wasn't really a whole lot of sign there, but it's kind of one of those things, especially since, you know, we're kind of talking about Georgia hunting. I mean, that's kind of one of the things about Georgia is, Sometimes it's really hard to find that sign if it's real, real thick like that. Because that thickness, it'll it'll cover that sign up sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I put my camera out. And I think we'll be good to go. Hopefully, we'll. But I ain't worried about nobody stealing that one because uh, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna get to it. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of the places I'm I'm putting cameras. I, I don't worry too much about it because I'm the same way. I'm trying to put it in uh, either thick areas or just areas where, you know, it's it's a hike in there or even, 
um, started using a kayak a little bit on some places too, where I could kayak into some spots and, uh, putting them out there. And then I, I put them up. I always take uh, one climbing stick with me and I'll put them up about, you know, 10 feet or so off the ground and angle them down to, you know, whatever trail or whatever I'm, I'm putting them on, uh, just to kind of keep them out of the line of sight. And, you know, if somebody mm-hmm. sees them, uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to make another trip if they want to get them, unless they just happen to be carrying a, a climbing stick or something with them, but make them. Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> yeah. theft proof, but I'm going to make them work for it as much as I can. Yeah. I've, I've, um, I've never had a camera stolen from public land. Um, I have had one stolen from private. And uh, to me, that's, that's even worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, and that's the only one I've, I've only had one stolen. And I tell you, I was, I was tore up for probably, I, I was probably tore up that whole deer season because I think it got stolen and, I think it was July, maybe, and uh, right at the first of August. It was this was like two or three years ago, but at the time I was hunting a deer that was giant, like huge, like a potential county record. Um, he was like 180 inches. Hmm. Um, and I was so worried that somebody done come in and stole that camera and they done seen those pictures oh, of that yeah. deer. And my mind, my mind was going in a hundred different directions. And, uh, but after we hunted that place for a while, we finally realized that we just had a problem with people trespassing on the property and more than likely it wasn't hunters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we had, I think what happened was somebody was coming through there around the four wheeler or something and they saw the camera, realized it took probably took their picture mm-hmm. and so they took the camera. Um we had a camper got stolen from Golly. uh somebody yeah, somebody coming in and cut the gate, like cut the chain to the gate, drove in there, hooked the camper up, drove out with it. Yeah. Um so that told me that they were already trespassing and they had seen the camper in there because we had it in there deep. Like, there's no way you could see it from any public road. Um, that was a that was a pretty rough place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing worse than a thief. Yeah, so um, so you uh, you said you were with the QDMA. Uh, what are uh, like? What's your What's your job there, and like, what are some of your duties? I'm the uh, the communications manager, uh, so I I do most of our social media and um, <clears throat> our website. Keep our website current, and um, you know, keep uh, articles and stuff fresh on there, and uh, uh, do some writing for the the website and our magazine, and and also help you know lay out and put together our our magazine, our quality whitetails magazine that we put out every other month um, write press releases and that kind of stuff awesome um yeah i've always been a huge fan of the qdma um i actually <laughs> i haven't told this story very much but um i remember the first buck i ever shot 
it was the county that I live in, um, which is Troop County. Uh, they had never made, I'm, I can't even remember how long it is now, how long we've been a QDMA county, but it was like the last deer season before they implemented the QDMA uh, four points on one side. And uh, I'd never shot a buck before. We hunted, me and my brother were hunting this one evening. We shot, I shot a six pointer. And uh, it was the, it was exactly the year right <laughs> before they implemented the QDMA. So I, so I looked out and my brother, he, it was like, I remember like the next year, once we found out there was going to be a rule for four points on one side, he'd always told me, you know, he's like, man, it's like, I'm glad you shot that deer last year. <laughs> <laughs> he said, because I don't know if I could have told you not to shoot him. Because I was like, I think I was 10 years old or 11 yeah, years old. Yeah. And uh, he said, it would have, he said, that would have been tough for me to tell you not to <laughs> shoot him. Um, but do you, uh, which I know there's some counties that are like, it's four points on one side or uh, 15 inches wide. Uh, do you like, do you know, like, how do they, like what? What do they determine to, I guess, put that on one county? I guess. You know, I, I don't know the exact process. It's. Uh, I know it has to go through the county itself. It has to do with, you. Know, you, ha- you basically have to, I believe, have like so many signatures or, or so many people interested in having a restriction in the county. And uh, it, it has to go through there. I, I don't believe, I mean, the DNR actually doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to, uh, that has to be in place by the county itself. That's interesting. Um, I've always wondered, like, why do they, why do they decide for this county it's 15 inches wide and then this county it's four points on yeah. the side. Um, or, well, and some are, some are even both, I think, if, if I'm correct. Right? Yeah, some have the either or, and that way, you know, if you have a six pointer running around out there that's got a twenty inch spread, you know, you can still take him because otherwise if you just have yeah. four points on one side, you might have a an old deer running around out there that's only gonna always ever gonna grow six points, but he's protected because of the four point rule. Yeah. So, you know, they do that where it can be either <laughs> or. Um so you can you can take those type of deer. Yeah, I've actually got a I've got a buck right now showing up on cameras, and uh, he's a six pointer, but uh, he's got four on one side, and uh, he's probably the biggest six pointer I've ever seen. Uh, he's he's huge, uh, but he's only got that one side. He's only got two points, and they're just it's a brow time, and the other one is just basically his main beam, and they go straight up, and. Uh, but I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what he looks like once he sheds his velvet. I may. I don't know. He may be. He may be one of my people <laughs> I might take. Um, I'm not going to take him because I don't think he's going to turn into anything. I, I'm going to take him because I think he's cool with yeah, the deer. Yeah. Um, the uh, and that's one thing, which you know, you work with the DNR and you're working with the QDMA. Um, that's one thing I've always kind of been a huge proponent of was, you know, don't don't shoot a deer just because you don't think he's going to do anything or 
don't call deer, basically. I, I can't. I hate <laughs> when people say you got to get him out of the herd because um, it just don't work. No, no, it don't. There's a lot of science, a lot of research that's gone into that, and it's shown time and time again that you cannot manage genetics um, with a trigger pull. You know, you just, it just, it, not in a wild free ranging herd, you know, maybe if you're, you know, high fence operation, but um, there's just too many variables with a, with a wild free ranging herd. You know, the doe is carrying at least half the genetics. So, you know, you can't look at a doe and tell whether she's carrying good or bad antler genetics. And, um, and you don't know you know, there's other factors. There's, there's, uh, environmental factors, uh, nutrition and stuff that can impact that deer's antlers. So just because he, he doesn't have a nice rack, um, and he, you know, maybe an older deer not have a nice rack, he might not be expressing his full genetic potential. He might have the potential to, to have been a, you know, 180 inch deer, but because of genetics or because of an injury or, or some other factors, he just never, you know, reached that potential. So. Yeah, you're right. That there's no, there's no coal bucks. The only place a coal buck comes in to play is if you're really highly managing a property, and there's a buck out there. Say you know there's a say there's a four and a half year old buck, and he's a six pointer. It's all he's ever been. If you want to shoot him to take him out, just to make room, you know where there's more food available and and room for another buck to step up in that place then, yeah, I mean, that might make sense, but you're not going to, that's not going to improve the right. genetics, but, you know, you're just taking right. a deer out that's never going to, you know, never going to be any more than what he is. So, um, but still, I, I'm like you, I just, I hate that term cold buck or inferior buck. And, mm. uh, you know, just shoot what makes you happy. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. Right. Yeah, that's, I agree though. That's, that's the best time and really the only time to say, all right, I'm going to take him out of the herd, but I'm not take you know, don't take him out for his rack or, or lack thereof, right. I guess. Not, not um, thinking you're going to help improve but, the genetics anyway. Right. Right. If you see him out there and you're like, oh man, he's holding the rest of my deer back. They need to eat. I'd rather them eat and get what they need. You know, that then, then I could see that. Yeah. But, and, and that's one thing. And then, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, one deer, that's really a great idea if you're managing on a big scale like that because one buck, especially a four- or five-year-old deer, is probably a good body size. They can eat a lot of food in one year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, what I, what I was, what, what I was going to say, say? That's, that's one thing. You know, QDMA in, in the past, we've, it sometimes gets a bad rap. People have this idea that that we preach, you know, you should only be shooting mature deer, or, you know, three and a half, four and a half year old deer, and that that's not that's never been um, what we've taught. We we do teach to that you should harvest based on age, you know, rather than antler score, because you know, to me, uh, a four and a half year old deer you kill in Georgia that might be 120 inches. That's just as much of an accomplishment as some guy up in Iowa killing a four and a half year old. It's 160, 170 inches. I mean, they're both mature bugs, right? Just as wary, just as hard to kill. If not, well, in fact, the Georgia deer may be harder to kill just because of the the habitat. But um, so we've always based on based antler, or I mean, uh, harvest restrict or not harvest restrictions, but 
making your harvest decisions on age rather than antler score. But also, it, it's always been the main thing we preach with QDM, quality deer management, is to let most of your year and a half old bucks walk. Let most of them walk. That's not saying if some kids out there, like you were talking about when you were 10 and a, a little yearling four-pointer steps out there, man, let him let him shoot it. I mean, we've you know, we've never preached to to make that kid pass up a, a yearling buck. I mean, you you know, let that kid have some success and kill a deer and feel that excitement and and uh you know, that'll make them a hunter for life. And you know, then after they've killed a few yearlings, then you might okay, let's see if we can get them a two and a half year old and, and work your way up. But um Right. And you know, for the guy out there that's perfectly content killing the first deer that comes in, maybe he don't have a lot of time to hunt and he just wants to go out there and kill the first deer he sees and put it in the freezer for his family. Hey, that's, you know, as long as he's hunting legal and, and ethically, then, you know, that, that should be his choice. So I, I just wanted to clear that up because a lot of people think that QDMA just preaches, oh, you got to, you know, you can only kill mature bucks. And it that's, we put that information out there for the people who, who want to manage their, their deer herd, their property, for an older age structure. If, if you want to do that, you know, we try to provide that information, but we're not saying you have to do that or everybody has to hunt this way. Right. Right. And I agree. I, I mean, I think I, I love the QDMA though. I mean, I, I think it's awesome. I know. I mean, back then when I was a kid, you know, and that was kind of the biggest thing, uh, as far as on a local level that, you know, I think that was really the biggest thing and probably still is today, you know, people will, they think, oh, well, what if I get a, you know, a 20 inch wide six pointer and he don't have four points on one side and that's what the regulation is in my county. Like that's, but that's coming. Now granted, there's really probably not hardly that many 20 inch (laughs) wide six pointers running around, but, um, I mean, they are. It is possible, and I have seen some, you know, that size. But um, that's probably, I think, maybe the biggest gripe that I've ever heard about, you know, QDMA regulation counties. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, if you look across the country, different states have different types of regulations like that, and, and in most cases, what they're doing is. Uh, you know, the, these biologists are looking, they're looking at years and years of data of bucks harvested and, and particularly yearling bucks. And they're saying, okay, you know, how many points on average do our yearling bucks have or, or how many, um, or what's the average spread over yearling bucks? And they make these decisions uh, most of the time. They try to figure out the best way to protect the majority of the yearling bucks. So, you know, in some places that might be a three-point on one side rule. You know, if if it's a southern state and most of their yearlings never get beyond three points on one side, uh, you know, they might go with a three-point rule. Or in Georgia's case, it, it might be a four-point rule or it might be a spread. But the idea in, in all these cases is they're looking at data of, of deer killed over the years, bucks, and uh, and seeing what what – rule can we put in place that'll protect most of our yearling bucks um without protecting too many you know two and a half year olds or three and a half year olds 
So that, that's kind of the thought. That's why you have so many different kind of regulations, in different states and different areas of states. Yeah, that's pretty good there. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that makes sense. Um, another thing, I, I was thinking about this. I'm, I'm kind of backtracking, going way back. But, I mean, we're coming up. We're kind of coming up on time here, and uh, we'll kind of start wrapping it up. But uh, I thought I finally figured I finally figured out what I was going to say earlier, um, <laughs> 20, <laughs> 20, 30 minutes no, ago. That's all right. But uh, we were we were talking about you know um, the season dates, and uh, you said a minute ago you were talking about you know how deer may be down here in the south are kind of skittish. Or more skittish, I guess, and uh, it got me. It got me to thinking too. You know, I was doing. Uh, I did a podcast with somebody. I can't remember which one it was, but they were asking me about you know hunting pressure here in the South, and uh, I kind of, I think it was like compared hunting pressure compared to here versus um, like the Midwest, and. You know, up there you always hear, and which it might be like this in Kentucky, because I you know the Kentucky deer season's not very long, or the gun season's not long. Um, but you hear the stories about you know the Orange Army <laughs> and uh, everybody piling up in the woods, you know, when gun season opens. Um, but I don't, I don't think we really have that problem here. Um, now, I, now, granted, I've never gun hunted on public land here in Georgia. So I can't really speak for public land. Maybe you can, I don't know, but um, that's what I was telling them. I said, I said, I think we have maybe just as much pressure to that. You know, as far as numbers wise, we probably have that many people hunting. It's just not all in a one week span. It's just drug out because our season's so long. So, you know, people hunt and it's just drug out over basically three months. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely comes into play because, uh, Georgia, man, I, I know there's more deer hunters in Georgia than there is Kentucky just because the population is so much higher in Georgia than there is Kentucky. Right. But, but like you said, it, it just, it doesn't feel as crowded because <clears throat> well, exactly what you said, there's so much season you can kind of pick and choose the, you know, you can wait for a little better weather or, or maybe the rut or whatever, you know, you don't, it's not like such a huge deal that you have to be out there that first weekend or that first and second weekend. Whereas like you say, Kentucky, where you have just a short 16 day season, you only have two weekends in there to hunt. Everybody that deer hunts is out there that, you know, every day they can during that 16 day window. So, um, yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure. You know which one. Yeah, I, and I never really had too much trouble um, either place. Now, Kentucky, you don't have as many gun hunting opportunities on public land in Kentucky as you do here because of that. They have quota hunts on the WMAs up there, like they do down here. But a, a lot of times, it's just maybe like one or two three day hunts for the entire year, and, and it's not every WMA that has those. Um, there's and there's very few WMAs in Kentucky where you can just show up and gun hunt without being drawn. There's there's a few, but not many. 
Um, so there's definitely a lot more opportunity down here on public land to, to gun hunt. Uh, and I, I haven't done a lot of gun hunting down here yet, but I'm going to start, uh, or as far as on WMAs, but I'm going to, I'm going to try a few more out this year, um, than I have in the past. I, I love to bow hunt, but you know, I'm not opposed to picking up a rifle and, and trying to shoot a deer or two with, with a rifle either. And, uh, I'm going to try to film some hunts this year too. So that's why I want to get out there and, and try some of these, uh, the not quote hunts, but some of these sign in and check in hunts um on some of the wmas just to just to kind of see and of course i've been on the other side where i was working those hunts so i i, I have an idea of how many people are out there hunting and how many deer are getting killed and that kind of stuff but um you know i'm gonna get a little more experience on the on the other side there and, and do more hunting myself but it's not yeah my experience and, and again i haven't done a lot of gun hunting on the wmas yet it's more bow hunting but you know, you hear so many horror stories about public land hunting and, and and a lot of times it's from guys that have never even been or they or they went one time and they had a bad experience so they never went back. And, and right. And but for the most part, especially bow hunting, man, I rarely ever see another hunter in the woods bow hunting on, on the WMAs. Um it just you know, I, of course if I see a car somewhere, I'm gonna go to a different spot. I'm not gonna try to get in there on top of somebody, but um, just, yeah, I've been walked up on one or two times and, you know, they see you wave off but, or wave and, and walk off and it's all good. But, um, you know, I, I just haven't had, I think it gets blown out of proportion, uh, you know, how, how bad or how rough public land hunting is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I, <laughs> I remember, uh, the episode that I did with Zach, the, the hunting public, he, uh, I told him, you know, about how it is kind of here, which is not like this at every spot here, but most of the places that I hunt on public, um, you have to sign in and say, all right, hey, you know, you write down your tag number for your vehicle and you put, depending on, you know, the rules for the location, you put, I'm in this area, I'm going to be in area two, three, four, whatever. Um, but I was telling him about, you know, people pretty much every, most places are sign in. And, uh, he said, he said, he said, man, I don't know if I could, uh, he said, I don't know if I, how I would deal with that. He said, I would probably not like to see <laughs> how many people are actually in there hunting. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's not that bad. I mean, and me, I kind of, I'm more of a, turkey hunter on public land than i am a deer hunter yeah, yeah and i now don't get me wrong uh there's some wmas now they get they they they'll burn them down um I won't oh lie. yeah yeah turkey hunting is a whole uh, different ball especially game. for turkeys yeah. uh on the wmas but there's some places that you can find uh around west point lake that i mean i've very i mean now people hunt them a lot but it's very rare for me to actually see somebody in there while I'm hunting. Uh, I've been hunting that public land around the West Point Lake area for at least 12 years now, and I can count on one hand how many times I've seen somebody in the woods while I was in there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but uh, so do you have uh, – 
you been do you got cameras out or stuff like that? I mean, have you even have you even gotten to a point where you've checked cameras or yeah, I, anything like I, that? I've checked a few. I've had uh, I had four cameras out on uh, Big Laser Creek WMA <coughs> that I put back in uh, uh, put out in June, and I just checked them here recently, and then uh, actually pulled them out because I seen what I need to see, and I've. Uh, moved them to some, some different spots and in different areas. So I, I still have some out that, that haven't been out as long that I haven't checked. And I, I can't decide. I'm kind of, I don't want to, I hate to get in there too much. I don't want to get in there and mess up a spot. So some, a couple of them, I might not even check till deer season actually opens. You know, I might wait till the first, basically the first time I hunt it, just go in there and pull the cameras in. But, uh, I don't know, I'll probably still get out and, and check one or two here before the season starts. Well, yeah, I've been I've been running yeah. running several, and um, I I haven't uh, I can't say I've came across any any monsters yet, but uh, I've seen a couple respectable bucks that I would definitely uh, put an arrow in if given the chance. So, um, well, well, I definitely I definitely uh, I definitely wouldn't want you to disclose the information <laughs> uh, as far as location or nothing like that. So. Uh, but uh yeah so yeah i was just trying to you know maybe add, trying to figure see if you had a pretty good idea of maybe what you were going to do on uh opening day which we only got what three more weeks or four more weeks about about four weeks day? yeah about yeah. four weeks um so yeah i'm uh i'm ready to get out there and get rolling uh oh yeah definitely one, one one thing I will say right before, I mean, we're right at an hour. We'll uh, go, ahead and go ahead and get ready to end it. But one thing I will say is um, I kind of do believe, like, you know, we're talking about getting ready and checking cameras and stuff like that, which now I would say now is kind of the time if you have been putting out feed or, you know, checking your cameras on public or on private, putting feed out, um, now's kind of the time that you might want to back off a little bit from checking them regularly or, you know, whatever, however long you've taken to check a camera, maybe two weeks or something like that. But I would say now's kind of the time you want to maybe back off a little bit because you yeah. only got a month left basically. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely agree to that. Cause I, I that, you know, them, <laughs> them bucks, especially the, the older ones, it don't take them long to figure out what's going on when, when they start detecting, you know, human intrusion in their area. So, yeah. Um, um well, Brian, man, I, um, I really appreciate you coming on here and, uh, talking with us. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. That was some great stuff. I, I really enjoyed learning, you know, learning a little bit about the QDMA stuff. And, uh, that was pretty great to hear. Um, so, I guess let everybody know, you know, where they can find, you know, all the Georgia field stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, kind of the main, I guess the main hub is the website, you know, georgiafield.com. From there, you can find our podcast. Uh, it's right there on the, the main menu. And um, there's a page called uh, start or it just says start here. And that'll let you know all our other stuff as far as social media and our YouTube channel, all that stuff you can find on that page. So that, that that would be the main thing. Just hit up our website and uh, check check out what we got going on. 
hope to add a lot of video content here in the uh, during the season. So some public land hunts. Awesome.